0: What's going on, B-Boy? It's your boy, Kalechi. Back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to do. Maybe you've gotten your vaccine shot. Like I got my vaccine shot. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing them talk about blood clots? For the j j vaccine? Which is the one that your boy took? Man, don't play with me now don't play with me now first of all i took that shot and i didn't even have any kind of reactions but anyway let's let's just talk about it a little bit i am i am one of the seven million people who ended up taking this j and j vaccine apparently of those seven million six people so far have developed a rare blood clot disorder within the two weeks of receiving the vaccine the fda is advising anyone who received the j and j vaccine and experienced any of the following symptoms to contact their healthcare provider. So, let's go down the list and see all the symptoms that they're talking about if I've experienced any of them. Let's start off. Symptom number one, severe headache. Nope, I didn't have any kind of severe headache. Abdominal pain. First of all, I'm not even sure if I know where my abdomen is, but no, I ain't seen that pain leg pain well i had a little bit of leg pain but that's more due to the fact that i went to play soccer on saturday because after getting the shot i was like i'm good to go i'm about to play soccer for the first time in a long time so i went to play soccer so leg pain yeah but that's attributed to the fact that i got fouled really hard by one dude but I'm fine shortness of breath I mean does it count when you're breathing really heavy after running and you're like <laughs> especially when it's the first time you've been playing soccer in a long time and you just like a small little sprint all of a sudden you are tired out there I don't know does that count I don't think that's gonna count so the fact is I'm fine your boy fine just in case anybody was worried about me which maybe one person uh, maybe anyway. but anyway <laughs> If anybody was worried, I'm good. I'm straight. I don't think this is a major issue, but it's good to see that they are taking all the precautions necessary to make sure that there's no other kind of situation that pops up due to this vaccine. So it's good to see them shut everything down, even though it's like less than 0.001 percent of people. That have been affected by this, but it's still good for them to actually shut everything down and take a uh, just take a breather and look at everything and see how it's going. The only problem is, whenever you breathe fear into a situation, it's going to be very hard to get people all the way wound up again to get this vaccine. But I think most people were already trying to get that Pfizer and were trying to get the Moderna anyway, so I don't think this is going to be a big deal to, to uh, for the whole situation when it comes to vaccines. But however. If you, if you want to get the vaccine, man, sign up. I'm pretty sure it's available in both places, so. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you what I did, which is get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and I'm good. Straight up. What's up, though? But anyway, let's move on into the topics for today. We got a lot to cover, a lot to cover. All eyes remain on the good state of Georgia, and it ain't because we got all the peaches. Side note, I am really Really looking forward to the Chick-fil-A Peach Milkshakes, man. Those things are so good. I am so looking forward to when they send me the notification, which usually I like to turn off all notifications when it's telling me to come and buy something. But for Chick-fil-A, man, first of all, I don't go there. That's a lie. I go there. That's like the one place that I treat myself to. But anyway, Chick-fil-A... Peach milkshake is the truth. Oh man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for them to put it back on the menu so I can go get me some. Get some Chick fil A nuggets, get a Chick fil A sandwich, get that fries, get me a milkshake. Man, that's gonna cost like $12. Well, more like $15. Oh, I'll be so good. And it's not even gonna fill me up. That's the problem with Chick fil A. Chick fil A does not fill me up. But anyway, what are we talking about? Let's get back on. All eyes are on Georgia because of the recent voting laws that were passed, that we talked about them a little bit in the past, and they've been called the Jim Crow part two. Initially, we did not see a lot of companies, company leadership speaking out against the law or anything like that, but now we see a lot of CEOs speaking out heavily against the law. But not just against the law in Georgia, but against any state and any lawmaker that makes it harder for anyone to vote. We had already had a lot of high level CEOs speak out last week against the law in Georgia, especially from companies like Microsoft, Georgia Power, uh, Delta and Home Depot, which are a lot of companies that are based in Georgia. And then over the weekend, there was like a mastermind Zoom call. From 90 different company CEOs, and they talked um, and discussed how to approach the issue and approach the situation. It included CEOs from, of course, Delta, American Airlines, Levi's Trust, and the owner of the Falcons. Uh, They formally threatened, formally, this is crazy, they formally threatened the government's with canceling campaign contribution and removing investment in factories, stadiums, and other projects that were coming to the state. We've already seen the fact that baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta and moved it all the way to Minnesota because of the situation. And now we just got a report that Will Smith will also be moving his movie, Emancipation, away from Georgia. And you have to remember, most TV shows and movies are being shot in Georgia right now. Georgia brings in about $9.5 billion a year directly or indirectly from production spending, from movie production spending and TV show production spending by offering about a 30% on cap tax credit for any major film that is shot in Georgia. But this is not only aimed at Georgia. As more states are starting to reveal laws that make it harder to, to vote, the threat is aimed at all lawmakers who make it harder to vote. So now the question is, will this for show of force actually change any of the laws or is this just all for shows so that these companies can make sure that they continue making that bread and just for public consumption but we've already seen some companies start announcing like i talked about we've seen other companies start indicating that hey we're gonna mi- move our plant down to georgia but if y'all are gonna be messing around and doing all this stuff we might just have to go somewhere else i mean microsoft was going to build a hq here in georgia and if microsoft is already speaking out and they're saying hey might take out our our HQ from y'all, we might move that somewhere else, that's going to be a huge, huge revenue hit to Georgia. So we'll see how this plays out. We already have a lot of senators on the Republican side coming out and saying, how dare you businesses come and try and do anything on this side and try to force us to do all of this stuff, which is just noise like at the end of the day all that people are asking for is why should it be difficult for somebody to be able to to use their democratic right and cast their vote like why should it be so difficult why do you have to put all of these things in place we found out from the previous election that there was no fraud there was absolutely no fraud so why are you guys doing this Like, why exactly are you guys doing this? Like, it doesn't make any sense, but everybody knows exactly why they're doing it. It's it's a racist thing. It's basically based on the fact that they want to limit a very specific population from being able to vote regularly because that population cost them the election last time around. So they're trying to find ways that if we can just keep them out, if we can just make it that much harder for them to be able to vote, we can guarantee that we'll win over and over and over again. But moving on from there, let's go to where all the other eyes are out, and that's on the chip bowl. And I'm not talking about your tortilla chip bowl that we all bring to parties, because it's literally the cheapest and easiest thing to bring with us. Like, you go into the store, we have Kroger's over here, and Kroger's have these massive bags of tortilla chips. Every time I'm going to any kind of party or anything like that, I'm like dibs on the chips. I'll get the salsa. I get the chips because those things are the easiest thing to come through. So I'll just get the chips, get the salsa and bring it with me. But that's not the chips that we're talking about. I'm talking about semiconductor type chips with a major global supply shortage of chips for everyone and for everything from your phone to your laptop to massive things like cars and data centers. The White House called 20 different CEOs to discuss how they're going to solve this problem. This literally went from every company's From manufacturers of chips like Intel's to users of chips like GM and Ford. And quick backstory of how we got to the situation that we're in right now. When we went into lockdowns last year, and where you could only see tumbleweeds going across your street every single day, you would look outside and there would be nobody there. You just see one leaf, just, you know, because nobody was trying to leave their house at that point in time. Many manufacturers called chip, uh, chip suppliers and said, yo, man. We ain't going to be needing that much supply, so cut it down. Like, just shut it down for a little bit, and we ain't going to need your supply. But the opposite actually happened. With everyone working from home more chips was required actually at one point last year it was extremely difficult for anybody to be able to even buy a laptop with every student needing a laptop there were school systems that were like where can we get more laptops they couldn't find any laptops anywhere they were basically taking they were going on ebay and getting used laptops so that you could they could just fill the numbers that they needed for their students but and car manufacturers were hit the hardest hardest during this time they actually straight up told the manufacturers Everybody's going to be at home. Nobody's going to want to buy cars. So shut all that stuff down. They were actually shutting down production of cars but the opposite happens. Remember last year, we actually talked about the fact that used car sales were at like 20% increase last year. And the, the price of a used car was up like 20% because people were rushing to buy more cars. And so when car manufacturers noticed this, they were like, yo, 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 by the way, remember what we said about three weeks ago? No, 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 we changed our mind. And then chip suppliers were like, yo, what you talking about? We can't just start things back up because you say you don't need them anymore. And now you need them. Like, that's not how this works. And then chi- uh, the car manufacturers was like what you talking about we can't be losing all this bread because because of anything that's happening right now we need to get this thing back rolling but it doesn't work that way it doesn't just happen at a snap of a finger and so we saw GM and Ford both have to shut down production due to the fact that we had a chip shortage and the thing that actually made this whole situation even that much worse was the fact that we also had a blizzard in Texas and we also had that ship get stuck in the Suez Canal so we just had extra things that just continued to cause the the supply shipping to just have a a bottleneck for the semiconductor industry to just have a major bottleneck but that's not even the main problem the COVID-19 issue was not even the first thing there were a lot of other ship issues within the semiconductor industry for a long time like being overly reliant on China for manufacturing, and everyone basically uses one manufacturer, TSMC. About 60% of global semiconductor output is handled by one company, TSMC. So this meeting meeting in the White House is not about solving all the problems immediately, but it's how do we diverse divest from being so reliant on China and being so reliant on Taiwan? And how do we bring some of those chips? back to the United States. This is why I am interested in Intel a little bit, even though Intel keeps letting me down. But as an investment, I'm looking at Intel to see are you possibly going to be a big player for the United States as the Intel is literally the only U.S. manufacturer of semiconductors, but it's still behind in TSMC in a lot of manufacturing methods, which is why most people use TSMC. And that's the issue that that Intel is facing right now. But maybe the U.S. is going to just pump a few dollars Intel's way and help Intel catch up to TSMC. Moving on from there, we have Amazon, who is breathing a massive sigh of relief like, Sigh. They're breathing a massive sigh of relief. This is because there will be no union for the warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama. Remember, we've been talking about the fact that Amazon might have to unionize in Bessemer or unionize in general because a lot of the workers at the the warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama felt like Amazon wasn't doing enough to protect its worker during the COVID-19 pandemic, and then they also felt like there were a lot of other things that Amazon was doing that they just didn't agree with. So, they tried to unionize. They decided decided to band together and try to create a union. Of course, Amazon doesn't want this, because, and Amazon went hard against every single effort to ensure that they did not unionize. So, here's some stats. Oh man I don't know why I can't talk but here's some key stats from the unionization vote of the 6,000 workers that were eligible to work I mean eligible to vote for this union only about 3,000 people actually voted of those 3,000 1,798 voted against the motion to create a union and 738 voted in favor to uh, fa- in favor of the union according to Axios if the workers had prevailed Their success would have encouraged American workers elsewhere and at other tech companies to pursue similar efforts. So it's not just Amazon that is signing a huge sigh of relief. But it's a lot of different companies. Think of any companies like Uber. Think of companies like Lyft. Think of companies like DoorDash. Think of any company, any tech-focused company that relies on a lot of people to do something. They're breathing a massive sigh of relief that they don't have to actually deal with this situation right now. So, And for a lot of unionization and labor organizing efforts, this is a huge blow for them and actually takes them one step back as they have been trying to find ways to empower workers over Big, big corporations in the long run. Microsoft continues to try and buy companies. It keeps adding companies to its wish list. Actually, this company just went from being in the wish list to being in the cart, and now they've actually acquired them. Microsoft bought Nuance Communications, which is an artificial intelligence and speech recognition company for about 19.7 billion dollars according to bloomberg microsoft and nuance have collaborated since 2019 on technologies to do things like allow doctors to capture voice conversations from patient visits and enter that data into electronic medical records it is actually the reason now that's end quote but nuance is actually the reason that siri can understand you well, kind of understand you because Siri tends to suck a lot of the time. Let's just be honest. But it's the reason why Siri can understand you. Remember the last time Microsoft spent a lot of money anywhere close to this amount was when it spent $26 billion on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has been a rather nice uh, acquisition for them. Satya Nadella, who is the CEO of Microsoft, has been on a major spending spree since he became the CEO of Microsoft. And he's been growing Microsoft basically by acquisition. Remember, Microsoft recently just bought a company called uh, Zenimax, which is the game studio that creates or is the Bethesda game studio owner for about 7.5 billion dollars. And then currently they're in talks to to buy Discord for about $10 billion. Also, they tried to buy TikTok last year, and they hit that up. Oh, they struck out on that one. They couldn't buy that one but Microsoft has been on this road of trying to buy and buy more companies as it is becoming more of a legacy player it is becoming more of the old dog in the game because basically there's not that much more there's not that much room for Microsoft Windows to grow into. I mean at this point, I think it's ninety percent of the company computers globally. I may be wrong on that number. check me on that. But basically it's in every computer and it's basically all over the world at this point. So Microsoft is trying to find new areas of growth. It's trying to find new ways that it can grow and trying to find new ways that it can keep its customers on its platform. It's trying to find new ways that it can strangle its customers to remain on its platform, at least dangle enough things that its customers get so used to them that they don't want to leave. And I, as a Microsoft shareholder, even though I'm a very tiny one at this point in my life, I like this buying of nuance. I like this purchase and this deal to buy nuance. Also, the other thing you have to think about Microsoft is they have over a $130 billion in cash. So any acquisition that they make at this point in time is basically chicken change. Like they make that money back like that. I mean, last year they made over $40 billion in profit. Like, and that was, I mean, that was last quarter. My bad. The quarter of December 2020, they made over $40 billion in profit, not revenue, not revenue, profit. So they make that money right back. So depending on how well Nuance works with their system, this is going to be a very very, very big acquisition for them because as we all know, artificial AI is the future and Microsoft is trying to do its best to be one of the biggest players in that space. So here's a crazy stat for you to take in today before we close this thing out. In the last five months, there has been more money invested into stocks than in the last 12 years combined. Since 2008 to 2020, 452 billion dollars was invested into stocks since november of 2020 to april of 2021 576 billion dollars has been invested into stocks what let's break down why that is though there's a lot more stuff that goes into the situation so for a long time after the financial crisis a lot of money kind of pumped were poured out out of equities and into bonds. For a long time, a lot of people were just scared to invest back into the market and a lot of that money went from equities into bond. But now, all of that caution, all of that fear is going out of the window as more people are pumping more and more and more money into the stock market. And maybe that's why we're seeing such an unbelievable, unbelievable parabolic movement from the stock market recently. It's also important to note that the amount of leverage that people are taking to invest in the stock market is at a record level. As, this is according to Axios. As of late February, investors already had leveled levered up with a record $814 billion borrowed against their portfolio according to the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. That is a 49% year-over-year increase, the largest we have seen since 2007. The prior high was during the dot-com bubble in 1999. In other words, the three last times that we've seen a major stock market correction or a stock market crash, if we're being honest, were the last times we've seen this amount of leverage being taken out against people's portfolio and being invested in the stock market. So the only thing I'm trying to share with everybody today is, as Warren Buffett says, be fearful when others are greedy. I think it's time for each and every single one of us to reevaluate our investing. I'm not saying to stop investing completely. I, for one, what I'm planning to do is continue to invest in index funds and continue to invest in ETFs. However, as far as picking stocks, I'm going to take a pause. I'm going to take a hold back if I invest any more money into po- into stocks for right now. I'm trying to learn the art of being patient when it comes to investing in stocks. And so I'm going to wait for drawdowns in very specific stocks that I'm going to be focused on rather than just doing what I've been doing, which is just dollar cost averaging into companies that I really like, like Microsoft and Apple. I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to start to try to be a sniper more than be a machine gun, gatling gun out here. But I'm not going to tell you to stop investing. Keep investing in your 401ks. Keep investing in your IRAs. Keep dollar cost averaging into ETFs and index funds. But as far as single stocks, maybe take a step back. Maybe reflect a little bit before you start investing again. Because we don't know what might happen. I'm not saying time the market. That's why I keep saying Keep investing in your index funds and your ETFs. However, when it comes to single stocks, for me right now, there's a lot of companies that are way overvalued that I would love to buy into, but I'm just going to build up my cash reserves for the time being and just wait for that moment when those companies fall to the price that I want to buy them at. That's just a little thing that I wanted to share with everybody. But also, remember, it is earnings seasons. There will be a lot of talk of words like growth, growth, they made their revenue growth or loss. Words like year over year, we've already said a couple of those words, quarter over quarter, they beat their estimated revenue or they didn't beat their estimated revenue. All these words are going to be thrown around a lot on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. And first up, we have the big banks. And actually, the first ones we had was JP Morgan. And banks are important. Even if you don't invest in banks, even if you don't care about banks, banks are important because they help tell us where consumer consumers are. Are consumers spending more money or spending less money? The thing you have to keep in mind is consumers make up about 66% of GDP. So if people are not spending money, that's not a good thing. However, JP Morgan was like, yo, relax, relax, guys. Like, Don't worry about that because we got that situated. People are spending money. As a matter of fact," In fact, credit and debit sales increased about 10% from this same time last year. And you have to remember, last year was right when people were going to stores and buying all kinds of items from grocery stores and everything to prepare for the lockdown. So there was a shot up in credit card and debit card sales. And then this year, it's actually higher than it was last year, which is something to think about. And then also JP Morgan, just to go through some of the things that they had in their earnings call, JP Morgan announced that they were released about five point two billion dollars from their reserves, which uh, from their loan loss protection plan reserves. Which means that they are seeing that, hey, maybe people are not going to default from their loans and we're about to come out of this recession. And that is all good news to hear from the company. However, they still have about $26 billion sitting in loan loss production uh, protection in case anything happens later on. This year, so that's a couple of good news to note as far as the economy is concerned. As far as J.P. Morgan is concerned, it's just a couple of things to t- to note on here. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is this cool video, or rather, this cool and scary story that I saw about. Domino's. So, Domino's is releasing a company, or rather, releasing a robot called the Neuro Robot. Or rather, it's partnering up with a company called Neuro for a robot, an autonomous robot that will deliver a pizza to your house. So, the future is here, and it's called pizza delivery. Domino's has become more and more of a tech company Rather than just a pizza company, it was one of the first pizza companies to ever do any kind of online tracking. It was one of the first companies to do all the things that Domino does now that we're so used to. I remember when it first launched and me and my friends ordered pizza on Domino's and we would sit on our computer refreshing the page to see what point our pizza was going to get to the house. And it was one of the first to actually implement all that. So Domino's being one of the first companies to do robotic delivery to your house it's also it just makes sense that it's doing it it's actually launching this in Houston and so it, the robot actually it looks pretty cute it looks like a Wally e type robot just except the arms if you think of Wally, e that's the kind of robot that Domino's is going to be using to deliver your pizza, pizza right in the future so that's all cool news and finally we'll close this up, uh, close this whole day out with a few things to think about and just a really weird story that I read about, and I just thought I should—I just want to share it. So, who sh- who do you think should be at fault when a bank makes a mistake—the person who benefited from the bank's mistake, or the bank for being incompetent by making this mistake? So, quick backstory: Charles Schwab made a mistake. Charles Schwab made a mistake and put about 1.2 million dollars into a customer's fidelity account. million dollars into a customer's fidelity account. She had requested only 83 dollars, but all of a sudden she found 1.2 million dollars in her account, and she moved real quick and real smooth with it. She transferred 200, 350 thousand dollars into another account and used it to buy a Hyundai Genesis SUV and also to buy a new house. So, She didn't waste no time. She said, I've been looking at this car. I've been looking at this house. I'm about to go buy this thing. God has blessed my account. And so I'm about to go buy this thing. However, the problem was when the bank noticed that they made a mistake, they kept on trying to call her and she was like, nah, I'm not about to pick this phone call up. They kept on trying to reach out to her, and she didn't pick up the phone call. She was like, nah. But the problem is, if you don't pick up the phone call, they're going to come looking for you because $1.2 million ain't cheap. That's a lot of money. And so they came looking for her, and they actually arrested her. So my question is, and then she ended up losing her job as a 911 dispatcher. So my question is, who should be at fault? Should it be, Should it be the bank or should it be the person who ended up just thinking like, I've been blessed. And I'm about to make some moves with this money. But here's a warning to everybody. Every time you get any kind of weird transaction in your bank account, just, just you know, call the bank and just be like, yo, I just saw this money. I don't think I know where it's from. What's going on? Because the other issue that you can run into is you can have fraud from like people trying to wire money to different places illicit money just going into your account and using your account as a front so that they can use it as money laundering and all this stuff so you can end up getting in trouble so make sure that whenever this happens just be a good person call the bank up and just say hey i saw this money in my account this is what happened what I would have told her to do was, like, maybe invest that money immediately, make a little bonus, because that's what the bank does anyway. The bank takes the money that you put into the bank, and they invest it and make money on it. So, I would have said, like, yo, maybe invest that money in something real quick, make a nice little bonus, even if it went up just, like, 2%. 2% is a lot of money. In fact, let's do math real quick. What is 2% of 1.2 mil? So, 1.2 times point zero zero point zero oh, two she could have made like a sweet two hundred twenty-four thousand dollars real quick. Like, yo, I would have taken that and just, run, just make a quick investment. Just hold off for like three weeks, 2% on that money. Give them back their 1.2. Boom. Like you have $24,000. Everybody's straight. Like that's what I would have told her to do. But like, but let's all be good citizens and make sure that we're doing what we need to do when it comes to anything randomly showing up in our bank accounts. But anyway... That's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. And if you did, give this podcast a review on any other platforms that you listen to it on. On iTunes, give it a five-star, five-star, five-star review. Share it with somebody you like or maybe share it with somebody you don't like. Either way, they need this information as well. Let me know anything that you would like me to talk about in the future. But apart from that, that's all I got. I'm going to catch y'all up on the next one. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed god bless each and every single one of y'all and we out of here peace